Welcome to Hired Podcast. Learn tips and tricks on how to get hired. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Career Journeys, CVs, and Cover Letters with Impact. My name is Amber Wigmore Alvarez, Chief Innovation Officer at Hired, and I will be your host for this first masterclass. First of all, a pleasure to welcome the more than 1,600 hired registered users this afternoon. Uh, looking forward to an excellent session with you all. It will be interactive. We'll have questions and answers that you're welcome to put in the chat function and we will be answering those towards the end. So what's on the agenda today? We're gonna to have career evolution, looking at different kinds of uh, career transitions, be it functional, sectorial, geographic. We're gonna get into the practicalities of the career lessons, the best strategies for making these transitions, CVs and cover letter workshop with impact. And finally, I'm gonna be leaving you with some career journeys, food for thought. Now, career decisions. The majority of you, when you decide to enroll in a program, it's really about progressing in your careers, no matter how you're defining success. Career decisions being amongst the most important that you're going to make. The most important thing is because you will spend more time at work than sleeping or with family and friends. So would you rather be rich and work a job that you hate or have an average income and work a job that you love? Or think, would you rather be someone famous and influential for something that doesn't matter or be anonymous and unknown despite working on something that is very important? So these are some key questions that I want you to have in mind as you do a realistic self-assessment and think about what are those next steps in your career that you want to take? We're all driven by happiness and meaning, but oftentimes we get caught up in status concerns and comparing ourselves with others. We really wanna be careful about choosing the way we define the success because the metrics that we choose will determine all of our actions and our beliefs, and it will lead to long-term real-life consequences, which can be job burnout and job stress. So this is why it's important that you are understanding the roles that you're applying for, that you are the appropriate fit or a near fit uh, and are applying to those organizations that will provide for you. So the first thing I wanna do is to assess your relationships and your value. And this is the most important thing for those looking to do a career transition. If you look at this graph, you wanna look, if you look at the x-axis, you have the value of your technical or your functional skill. On the Y, we have the value of your relationships. Now, I've been working over the last nine years with thousands of students and alumni. Uh, I came from a background at IE Business School leading the area of talent and careers and very happy to be on board here at Hired for the more than 520 schools in the network. Uh, now, I'm finding that many of my students and my alumni tend to be caught somewhere in the middle. And it's really about how can you excel and on both dimensions of the graph, how can you be a guru in your respective field, but at the same time, be connected with the people in your industry and the area that you're targeting and that networkers. So the more that we are able to be double spikers, uh, that's making yourselves more indispensable for an organization and thus easier to maneuver or to, as I say, finesse a career change. So, I want to preface this by saying that everything I'm going to be presenting today, it's not rocket science, but what's incredible, it's how little time students take to actually do an analysis of their career and their future path 
and to devise a career strategy and plan. And so that's what I want to get you started on in this first master class. So for those of you who might be having a bit more of experience and looking to make an industry change, you want to focus on the value of your technical or your functional skills and keeping in mind that almost every industry values similar skills and expertise. Uh, this is important as there are industries that are actually valuing very much the skills from another industry. It's really about how can you showcase and how can you show that your experience from a previous industry will add a fresh perspective to that new industry. I was recently in a meeting with an aerospace company and they were telling me, Amber, uh, what would be interesting for us would be somebody who comes from a company or an industry such as Airbnb. We feel that somebody who could work for Airbnb would be able to provide a creative solution to the business challenges that we have in our organization. And now finally, relationships. I focus so much on the relationships, the value of your relationships, because the relationships are really the currency of career success. Who are the key people that you need to know? Now, in terms of functional change, you want to focus on relationships in your current industry. Uh, now, one of the things that I've always been astonished by, by hundreds of people that I've worked with who are looking to make a functional change, is how few of them have actually thought about approaching someone in their current organization. People often think, I want to change to a different role in the same industry, but they automatically think, I should change to a different company, different organization. Now, in actuality, many cases when you're applying to opportunities, on average, you'll have perhaps 250 other applicants for that vacancy. Now, on average, nine or 10 of those applicants will be equally as qualified, if not more qualified than you. So why would a recruiter take you over somebody who already has the experience in that function? Now, here's the thing. You want to approach people within your own organization, perhaps your former employer, a boss, or HR. Uh, and when I have people do this, and they often have, didn't think about it before, they'll come back and say, wow, they, there was an opportunity for me. So you want to go to those people who, while you don't necessarily have the experience in that function, they're willing to give you the opportunity because they know your work ethic and you've demonstrated and proven yourself before. So it's really about the way you ask for, for people uh, for their advice. I always tell people, when you ask for a job, you get advice. But this is a really an important takeaway. You want to ask for advice and you'll get a job. So just remember that. And remember that especially during the networking, when you go up to somebody, when you come directly out to somebody by LinkedIn at networking events and ask for a job, you'll get advice ask for advice and you'll get a job. So when you're feeling lost here, you want to go back, strengthen your relationships and strengthen your skills. Now, in terms of geographical change, in so many, uh, we have the, the talent pool of 3 million in the higher network amongst our 520 schools. Uh, so many are looking for international careers, geographical change. Now, when we work with the hundreds of recruiters that, that hire through the hired platform, they are looking for cultural sensitivity, a comfort level in multicultural and familiar environments. So this is what you want to be highlighting. This is what you want to be getting across to them in your CV, in your cover letters, is that comfort level in the multicultural or unfamiliar environments, in addition to flexibility, adaptability, 
a positive attitude, resilience. Cross-cultural communication, language, and writing skills are fundamental. Uh, you're going to see in different stages of the selection process, oftentimes they might bring you to an assessment center uh, where they actually want to see you interact with others. One thing is going to be having a CV and a cover letter, which are impeccable, but another thing is they want to see how you're interacting with the team. So you always want to have strong and clear language. Uh, you want to have strong and positive body language, which is what we're going to focus on in masterclass number two. Uh, and this is one of the biggest career deal breakers for, for recruiters, for recruiting agencies. When someone is unable to clearly communicate his or her career trajectory, so you want to focus on having the strong and positive communication and language. In terms of specific technical knowledge or expertise not present in a target market, keep this in mind if you're targeting another market and you want to make sure that you're, you're highlighting this. Oftentimes I will meet with an organization and they will say, we're looking for people with blockchain technology expertise. And we're finding that there's many people who will tell us that the best blockchain talent is coming out of Kiev or coming out of Manchester. So if you do come with a specific expertise from a certain market, uh, you want to highlight that during the, the process in your CVs, in your cover letters. And finally, having international travel, work, study abroad experience. Uh, companies in the past, we would have CVs that would have the dates on the left-hand side, and on the right-hand side, you would have the locations. Now, they're preferring to see everything on the right-hand side so they can quickly see how long you were in a certain place uh, and your experiences. Now, we see the questions coming in. Uh, we will be taking those, we'll be responding towards the end of the masterclass, but don't hesitate to keep having them come in as, as you have doubts and concerns coming up. So how do you manage your career from here? Uh, my feeling is that we truly must change the way we're building our careers. And I want to set out some very clear strategies for you. Uh, I grew up as a competitive figure skater, and much of what I put here uh, actually comes from the lessons that I learned at the rink. Uh, so much of this is sports related, uh, which for me, it's everything that I've ever learned, and it applies very much to the world of business and especially in careers. So my first strategy, it's about having the right gear and using your resources. So be it because you need to further your education, focus on leadership, focus on innovation. You want to learn how to recruit and develop and lead teams. Uh, even if we're talking about student government or student clubs, student unions, you want to highlight this leadership experience and being able to communicate effectively with the strong interpersonal skills that time in, time out, this is historically what the recruiters are looking for. Number two, you want to get out of your comfort zone and achieve balance. So you want to focus on the high quality experiences and opportunities. And although it's very tempting, and especially first coming out of a university, first coming out of a business school program, oftentimes uh, I find that students are tempted to take a job for the title or for the money. Uh, believe me, you want to avoid doing this because though that satisfaction, that happiness is very short lived you want to make sure that you're getting into the role for the right reasons. Uh, also thinking about what, what is your future plan and what comes after that and making sure that it's like a stepping stone opportunity and really making sure that when you're going to these interviews, 
And I always assure people, uh, if you don't want to be nervous, of course, and we'll do another whole masterclass on interview tips. Uh, but it's really about you at the same time you're interviewing them. You want to do the research and you want to make sure that this company or organization will also provide for you uh, in your own future professional development. Now, strategy number three would be, as I say, stretching in order to grow. So working on projects that expose you to new challenges in people and not being afraid to take a risk, especially in the earlier years of your career, this would be the time to do it. The later you get in your career, the more experience when you do what we call job hopping, multiple jobs of less than two years, that becomes a red flag on your CV. So this is really the time when you can make certain changes and perhaps it's under the umbrella of an internship scheme or an apprenticeship or a traineeship. So don't be afraid to take a risk, especially at this stage. Strategy number four, you wanna stay open to creative solutions. You wanna be flexible in order to advance in your career, always engaging in continuous learning and leading change. And again, volunteering to broaden your network and open new opportunities. I often find, even when I have executive MBA students, they're often willing to uh, leave a role and do an internship. And we're talking about those with significant number of years of experience. And when an executive MBA does an internship, we often call it an externship but they know that their only way in to certain organizations, certain companies might be through an internship. So it's really about volunteering and opening your network up uh, and opening up your experiences. Number five, listening to your coach. Uh, I always recommend having a mentor. Uh, it could be a mentor within your organization. It could be a mentor outside of the organization. Ideally, it is someone who is two levels above you. Uh, it is someone who, when you do slip and fall, and we all have obstacles in our career, is someone who can help you get up back onto your feet and keep on going. And it's really someone who can also help to devise that career strategy for you. You want to be looking to mentors that uh, are perhaps in a role that you would like to be in a few years from now. Uh, so really looking to them and getting that input from those people that you trust and who can help you to avoid certain mistakes and to make strategic moves. Now, I talk about gliding side to side in order to, to accelerate growth. Uh, we would often think in the past about a traditional corporate ladder where you would move up the vertical rungs of a corporate ladder. It's not like that anymore. I talk often about making strategic lateral moves. So you just want to keep on moving, even if you take a lateral move. Oftentimes these days, lateral moves are a faster way to the top than in the past, the vertical moves. The important thing is not to freeze up when there are organizational restructurings, changes, uh, downsizing in the organization, or interpersonal conflicts. Strategy number seven. It's okay to fall, just as long as you get back up. You want to be prepared for slips and falls. Don't overanalyze. We all fall in our careers. This is why you want to go back to having that mentor, that coach. Uh, it's really about identifying the lesson. Don't get hung up on it. Identify what was the issue. Keep on going and learn from it. And have a strong network. Uh, of course, you want to have that work ethic and integrity. Uh, it's oftentimes a small world in, in the different areas uh, that you're going to be targeting, uh, different markets, different regions. 
uh, alumni networks, you want to make sure that you, you're portraying yourself of the utmost integrity and, and work ethic uh, when people ask for, for referrals and recommendations. Now, visualize the goal. You want to visualize the goal. Uh, you want to set your own goals for growth and success. Dare to dream again and think through your plan. And towards the end, we're going to be talking about mapping your career journey and how do you visualize that goal and start thinking about now the types of roles and the level of responsibility that you seek defining your career path now how do you prepare for this first of all it's about doing a realistic self-assessment oftentimes i will have students come to me and say they're interested in a career in strategic consulting or investment banking but at the same time work life balance is important to them well, perhaps that is not the ideal career choice. So you want to be honest with yourself when it comes to what are the areas that you're targeting. Identify the resources that you have, the resources within your network, within your alma maters, within your academic institutions. And of course, your career centers who are very much a partner of Hired have phenomenal career resources that you want to go to and ask about career advising, ask about the alumni connections. Now, in terms of making a plan, uh, I find there's no better way to motivate yourself than by thinking, where do I see myself one year from now? You always want to have a short-term plan, six months to one year. Now, the second one, intermediate, the three to five years, this is going to be one of the most common interview questions you'll have. Where do you see yourself two to three years from now, three to five years from now? So you want to make sure that you have a response for this interview question. Uh, ideally, it would be growing within that organization. Of course, you want to be honest. Uh, and if you're not quite sure, uh, it's even if you're not sure, it's important to show some kind of focus and clarity in terms of the direction you're going in. So hopefully something along the lines of growing within this organization or continuing to grow within this field uh, is where I hope where I hope to see myself. And then finally, the long term, five to 10 years from now. And historically, I've, I've, I've identified a pattern in terms of those who have been most successful in securing uh, the opportunities they've been seeking, their career aspirations. And it's very much been those who have been focused and who have always had a plan. Uh, some people are like this naturally. Other people's need, and people need some motivation, like a masterclass like this, to really sit down and think through, okay, where do I see myself one year from now? And making sure that you have that three to five year plan in place before you get into any interview situation. And always having in mind, where are you headed five to 10 years from now? Uh, because each of the next roles that you will be taking is very much leading up to that. Now we're gonna get into the CV component of the workshop today, the master class, in building your CV. And so what do you need to know? First of all, you need to know who your audience is and what they're looking for. So we have the eyes of the HR recruiter. We're gonna put ourselves today in the position of the human resources hiring manager. Their typical role is finding the right person for the position and keeping in mind that elimination is the first step in this process. So oftentimes they are inundated with candidates who perhaps they 
do not, they, they could be quali quality candidates, they could be qualified or not. The first thing they're looking to do is eliminate. This is why, and coming from a career services background, it's very important that your career portfolio documentation, your CV, your cover letter, everything is impeccable because it's the smallest thing sometimes. The, the typos or grammatical errors, making mistakes when you use templates of company names. Uh, you want to make sure this is not happening because elimination is the first step in this process. And the HR recruiter, their performance is very much evaluated in terms of how efficiently and how effectively they are matching top talent to the job requirements. So what we used to be saying was uh, finding a needle in a haystack, it's now finding a needle in 10 haystacks. Uh, oftentimes recruiters are, are posting their opportunities in different sites uh, and many times they have a surplus of talent so it's important that you are standing out from the rest. Now, uh, when I have a physical class and I ask them how long recruiters are dedicating to the review of the CV, oftentimes students will say two minutes, three minutes. Uh, on average, when we, when we do polls and surveys of our recruiters, they will tell us 6.5 seconds is the amount of time that they're dedicating to a CV. So 6.5 seconds. So it's really, if you take your CV and you draw a line across the first third, this is what they're looking at. So it's really that first third is like prime real estate. You wanna make sure that the most critical information is in that first third to make sure that they continue reading. And if they get to the first half, uh, if they like it, then perhaps they'll read to the bottom and they'll put it in the hands of a hiring manager. But if you don't get to that initial cut after the 6.5 seconds, then, then forget it. Now, translation. We need to pay even more attention to the power of the first impression factor in both person, of course, and on paper. So that's what we're going to focus on today. What are these HR recruiters looking for in the CV? Uh, now, I've worked with thousands of HR recruiters over the years and really helping them to accelerate the matching of, of talent to their vacancies. They're looking for, can the applicant do the job? Do they have the skills? And compatibility, the fit with the corporate culture, with the organization's culture. Will the applicant be a good fit? Now, how do we start putting this all together? You want to read between the lines. And again, this is where I say, this isn't rocket science. It's really about taking the basics of the job description and looking for the keywords that are expressing what the employer is looking for. And you want to highlight the specific keywords for the knowledge, skills, and the abilities in the description. And at the same time, you want to take the company objective statements. And this is what so few candidates, when they're applying to processes, do. They oftentimes, they send the same CV, to all the companies, even if they're focused on roles in finance and marketing, uh, you need to customize your CV as much as possible. You need to customize your cover letters. Now, I wanna show you an example uh, of a real uh, job posting. Customer service associate. We're looking for a candidate with strong customer service skills. Uh, there's a job summary. There's typically what is fundamental, what is essential for the position. Uh, and then preferred qualifications. So this is where you want to start highlighting what are those keywords in this job description. And now what you want to do is you want to create statements for all of the knowledge, skill, and ability keywords that you have or you have demonstrated. Now, again, I want to refer you all back uh, to your career centers. 
Uh, many of them have a CV template that they recommend, uh, school-specific or different models that they recommend. So I would encourage you all who actually need a CV template uh, to approach your local career centers. At the same time, I want to provide you with some tips to really uh, allow those CVs to have a certain impact so that you get through that 6.5 second initial cut. So what you want to do is you want to follow the CAR method. Uh, the CAR method being the C for the challenge or the context, the A for the action, and the R for the results. You want to make it results oriented, accomplishments oriented. The vast majority of the CVs that I see uh, when they're first sent to me, it's almost all candidates will have bullets that are just the action that they took. Uh, and it doesn't talk about the challenge or the context, and it's not showing the results. So this is important that you're getting all of this into that one bullet. You always want to start your bullets with strong action verbs. Uh, the only cases when you would put a word in, 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 in before the action verb would be something along the lines of successfully, successfully implemented, uh, successfully spearheaded. And now you want to start showing specific examples from your experience to support your statements. So something along the lines of, I provided customer service support to my boss by collecting data and creating over 25 detailed spreadsheets that forecast off-peak seasonal demand. Now note something here. I started, when you're doing the exercise, I started by saying, I provided. However, CV protocol, you're not going to have any personal pronouns in there. You're gonna take out the personal pronouns in unnecessary nouns. Even though it might seem strange, trust me, this is CV protocol, uh, CV. On a cover letter, it's okay. You can have the personal pronouns, of course. So when we take out the personal pronouns, it sounds something like provided customer service support to the senior manager by collecting data and creating over 25 detailed spreadsheets that forecast off-peak seasonal demand. So again, strong CVs don't use the personal pronouns. Uh, you want to make sure that you're not referring to our company, my company, you're removing all personal pronoun language. And now what you're gonna do is create a value-added statement. And you want to, again, I wanna refer you to the company's mission statement as a tool or a guide. Uh, and this is what so few candidates do. I find that very few actually consult the website, look at the company's vision, look at the company's mission. And this is fundamental when you're drafting your CVs and cover letters. So if we take, I took the example of the company's job posting uh, in their mission statement to combine aggressive strategic marketing with quality products and services at competitive prices to provide the best value for consumers. Now let's start by breaking that down with the longer phrases first. So combine aggressive strategic marketing with quality products and services, products and services at competitive prices and provide the best value for consumers. Now you're gonna break that mission statement down into even smaller phrases and words, aggressive strategic marketing, quality services, best customer value, consumers. And now this is where you can start creating a value added statement. Customer focused professional with ability to provide excellent customer service and consumer driven environments, dedicated to ensuring quality services 
through superior interpersonal skills and attention to detail. So this is something, when you come up with that value-added statement, this is something you could easily have as a professional summary at the top of a CV. Now, how do we go from good to great? And this is, again, I come back to the competition in certain selection processes and oftentimes, sometimes hundreds of candidates. We talk to other recruiters that maybe thousands are applying to a very competitive graduate program. You really want to set yourself apart from the rest. Um, you don't want to be mediocre. A recruiter does not want to hire somebody who has good communication skills. They want to hire somebody who consistently exceeds expectations, excellent interpersonal skills, excellent customer relationship skills, customer facing. Uh, because when you don't do it, the next candidate will do it. Uh, I am very sensitive to the fact that maybe people are more shy about doing this, maybe more humble, and they don't want to necessarily speak like that. Uh, and I, I agree in that sense. It's important to be genuine. It's important to have your own voice and to be yourself. What I would say in that case would be to tell the stories, give examples. And I'm going to show you a great cover letter in a few minutes uh, that shows just that. So uh, when you don't want to make it sound like you're bragging about your experiences uh, and your accomplishments and your successes, tell a story. Uh, that you're more comfortable in that format. Then there's certain sections that will now help us in highlighting our value or will aid in personal branding us. So there's these are the sections that I wanted to include. You want to start with LinkedIn. So for those of you where uh, LinkedIn is not blocked and you necessarily need a VPN to get around it, uh, we say that LinkedIn is, is critical in the world of careers. If you're not on LinkedIn, we say you don't exist. Uh, so in my experiences, we've always had our candidates include their LinkedIn public URL at the top of the CV. And as I said before, 6.5 seconds is what they're using to, to review the CVs. Uh, LinkedIn, where you have more space uh, to show videos, to show examples, uh, to go into further detail. So, Here's the thing with LinkedIn. The first thing you want to do is edit your public URL to make it look more professional. You want to go into your settings, uh, edit URL, because if you don't do this at the end of your name and last name, it will have a series of digits. You want to remove the digits so that your public URL looks nice and neat, and you can put that at the top of your CV in the header. You can include it in a header and a cover letter. You can include it in your email signatures, but you want to make sure that you're including that. We also have statistics on more than 80% of recruiters will look at you first on LinkedIn before they call you in for a job interview. The professional summary. This is a great way to highlight very quickly four to five lines at the top of your CV uh, to really highlight, and especially those of you who maybe have more fragmented experiences. Perhaps the experience which is most relevant to the job you're applying to is at the bottom of your CV because, it, because it's reverse chronological. If this is the case, the professional summary is a great area at the top of your CV in the first third to actually highlight uh, that experience that you want to showcase there. And then any academic, professional, performance highlights, core competencies, summary of your skills, 
uh, highlighting leadership ex experience, again, even if it's student government or student club experience. And for those of you who are maybe now focused on a career in a specific area, then I put here examples of marketing, finance, consulting. If you have a CV uh, where you've had different perhaps internship experiences or different professional experiences uh, throughout the years, and now you're focused on a career in marketing, what you could do is a section which is marketing experience and you're putting all that together and then other professional experience. So this is a great way to bring the focus to a greater critical mass of years of experience or different experiences in a certain area. Honors and affiliations, again, very important to highlight. Interests and hobbies. Uh, this is an area, and I often get questions, people will ask, uh, interests and hobbies. I feel strange about talking about my interests and hobbies. The vast majority of the recruiters that I meet with they very much like this section. Uh, when you are in a lengthy selection process, oftentimes they will remember a candidate based on their interests and hobbies. They are looking for well-rounded individuals. When you go into uh, an interview experience, the actual interview itself, oftentimes they will ask you questions from your interests and hobbies and especially to break the ice in the beginning. So it makes you more natural, it makes you more human, I absolutely recommend the interests and hobbies. Uh, I would like to just say, uh, in the case of certain interests or hobbies that might be more controversial or perhaps uh, related to religious groups or political groups, uh, you do never know who will be screening your CVs. Uh, so if it's something that might be slightly controversial, uh, what you will want to do is perhaps talk about the com community service and put it into a community service uh, context. And then finally, again, showing specific examples from your experience to support your statements. Now we're gonna get into the same employer-focused approach for the cover letter, and I'm happy to keep taking any questions regarding the CV that we'll answer towards the end. Uh, and now we're gonna get into having that same focus, that same customization, and applying it for the cover letter. So first of all, cover letters. Uh, it's, a, it's a big mystery these days. Increasingly, we're seeing recruiters are not always requiring a cover letter. Very important. If a job description asks you for a cover letter, absolutely submit a cover letter. Oftentimes, I've worked with so many recruiters who will come and say, we received the CVs, these candidates are interesting, but we're missing their cover letters. Uh, students, candidates can often be lazy when it comes to the cover letter. Make sure if it's a requirement, make sure that you are including the cover letter. And when I would like to say that when they are asking for a cover letter these days, typically they are reviewing it and they're giving you a score based on the cover letter as well. So any skills, values, experiences on your cover letters must add value. This is very important. Again, this is your prime real estate, you wanna make sure that you're using this appropriately. So what would a strong cover letter include? Accomplishments and successes again, bear in mind everything is results oriented. Your interest in or admiration for the target company. So this is one of the biggest areas that I find uh, with my students and the candidates cover letters. Oftentimes they will talk about how they would love to work for a certain company because they know that by working with that company, 
they will have uh, international mobility and international career. At this stage, while you need to show your admiration for the company, it's not so much what the company can do for you, but what can you do for the company? What do you bring to the table? And finally, stories describing how well you fit with the company's culture, values, and the mission. So I wanted to share, this is one of my favorite cover letters from the last six years. Uh, and this was from a student who is attending one of the hired EFMD networks, business schools, i.e. business school was doing the master in management program. So someone with a zero to two year experience profile. Uh, and what happened was Burger King went on campus to do a company presentation about their management trainee program and they received a significant volume of candidatures. And we received a call in the Career Center saying that uh, they were very impressed by this cover letter. Uh, and believe me, in the last nine years, it's very uh, few and far between when you would get a call from a recruiter saying how much they enjoyed reading a cover letter. And while there might be elements of this cover letter that I'm gonna read through that you would do differently, I just wanna show you how uh, this candidate, this student, personalized it and how it really got the attention of a recruiter and how sensitive they are to when uh, candidates use what we call cookie cutter templates, you wanna be very careful, and when they customize it. So starting with dear hiring manager, and this is another thing, when you have the person's name uh, and you can get the person's name, much better to include the person's name directly. Uh, but when they want to keep it general and you don't know, uh, dear hiring manager, that's appropriate. Through this letter, I would like to express my great interest in the eight-month management trainee program that Burger King is currently offering. I attended a presentation you conducted at IE Business School and was very impressed by your proposals. I related to what you said about asking three questions when choosing where to start a career. First, if the fundamentals of the business are sound and healthy. Second, if the business provides growth opportunities as a candidate. Third, if I identify with the company culture and values. As the first two questions are very positively answered, I focused on the third. I have always admired Burger King's fun, think outside the box style, as well as its empowering and passionate culture. So completely connecting uh, the presentation that he saw uh, on really understanding what is the vision, what is the corporate culture, and adapting his cover letter to that. Now I'll explain to you how I meet your requirements and how I could fit within Burger King's environment. And now what the student does uh, is he puts this into bullet format. Now when we ask recruiters at HR summits and HR conferences what, what format they prefer, it tends to be 50-50. So 50% will prefer the bullet format, 50% will prefer the standard uh, paragraph format, it really comes down to personal preference. Personally, I like best the bullets, especially being someone who reads thousands of cover letters. Uh, I find that it reads through faster. The most important thing, if you'll be using a bullet format for your cover letter, you want to make sure that your bullets are not the same bullets that you have on your CV. They need to be different. So in this case, we have uh, we're going to start by, I have three years of international work experience spread between my university studies and communications and after graduation. I am bilingual in English and Spanish, and I'm currently learning Italian. 
I have demonstrated a self-starting attitude throughout my career. And here we get into the examples. For example, I created two radio shows from scratch, producing and conducting them for a popular local Venezuelan radio station. Another example is that I practically taught myself how to work in a fast-paced environment like HBO and Sony Pictures Entertainment, where I had no proper training, and as we say in Venezuela, was thrown out to the lions to defend myself. I did very well, and if you wish, I will gladly put you in contact with previous employers for references. I firmly believe that successful teamwork is driven by motivation and a strong, positive attitude, and I reflect this with my actions. Again, for example, when I was a PR coordinator in Sony Pictures Entertainment, I led the execution of multiple events with outstanding results. Also more recently, I was vice president of the IE Venezuela Club, where I was in charge of creating and executing various events for the Venezuelan and international IE community. I had to lead my club teammates as well as motivate club members and other potential attendants to participate in activities. All events were booked completely and raised awareness of the Venezuelan club within the IE community. I am driven by the ambition of achieving excellence and dedicate time and effort to all my objectives, not only to achieve them, but also to surpass expectations. One of my motivations is thinking of, developing, and applying unique ideas that will help differentiate the company that I work for. I have strong interpersonal and communication skills thanks to a natural ability to create and nurture relationships with my peers. And this very important, I am able to work in any European country and am willing to relocate. So this is something that's important when it's not always very clear from your CV where you have work authorization for. Um, you cannot assume uh, that they will know where you hold work authorization for based on where you're studying uh, or by the name, the sound of your name. Another thing very important that I find that people forget to do is include on your CV, in your cover letter, in your LinkedIn profiles, your native language. Uh, you can, we cannot assume that because you are from the US that you speak English. When companies use resume scanning software, CV scanning software, and they're searching for language combinations, uh, if you were fluent in English and Spanish, but did not put English on your CV, you simply would not come up. So very important to remember to include your, your native language. Now, this student finalized his cover letter by saying, I would like to reiterate my interest in Burger King's management trainee program. I'm excited to think that I could be part of a superb and internationally renowned team, among which I could grow both personally and professionally. I look forward to hearing from you soon. So whether or not this is your style, and I often get the question about if I think it's too long, that letter. This was actually, this was one page fit into an A4 format, it might just seem a little longer the way that I, I broke it out here for the for the master class. But in fact, that letter reads through very fast. Uh, it's enjoyable. It gives great examples. And it's it's an easy read, I would say. So for those of you, I want just want to reiterate the fact that uh, if you go online, there are many cover letter templates out there, please be very careful. Uh, if you do look at a cover letter template, just make sure that you're looking at it to get a sense of what should be included in that cover letter, uh, but not necessarily to actually use that same verbiage because recruiters are very sensitive to this. Now, in terms of a recap, when it comes to CV and cover letter, 
You want to use always, again, an employer-focused approach uh, to customize, to craft your CV and cover letter. I know it can be, it can seem a bit of a hassle. Um, I know it's a challenge. It's not easy for many people. This is why I encourage you to, to seek the support of your local career centers from your institutions, from your alma maters. Um, oftentimes they provide alumni career services for the alumni that we have connected as well. You want to follow the CAR method. Again, they're going to dedicate 6.5 seconds to this, so make sure that you're covering the challenge or the context, the action, the result. And you're identifying first what are the skills needed in that industry, that area, that company. And you really have an understanding, you've been reading the press, uh, you have an understanding of what's going on in that organization, and you're not just simply applying to an organization in a specific market that has recently downsized. You want to be aware of all this. I would also encourage you to reach out, of course, to alumni, alumni who work for the organization, uh, who work for that company. Uh, one of my favorite functions in LinkedIn is the ability to search for uh, by your school, seeing alumni, and doing a search for those alumni that are working in the companies that you're applying for. And again, when you don't know what to say, first of all, uh, one thing you want to, again, ask for advice, you don't want to simply ask for a job. You're not going to reach out and say, I want to know if your company is hiring. No, you want to ask for advice and you'll get a job. Uh, or I would always suggest applying for the opportunity, but maybe letting an alum know who's working for that organization. Uh, I'm currently completing this program. I recently graduated from this same institution uh, and I've applied for this opportunity. Any advice that you might have for me? And then finally, using that job description using that mission statement for the keywords. Now, I wanna leave you with some food for thought before we get into the Q&A today. Uh, and these are the questions that I like my students and the candidates and alumni that I work with to start thinking about. So what is your dream job? What would you do if that job didn't exist? What would you do if money were no object? Thinking about where is that one place you've always wanted to travel to? What new skill would you love to learn if you had the time? Or if you could live anywhere and it couldn't be home, where would you live? How would you like the important people in your life to remember you and to talk about you? So these are some good food for thought that believe it or not, it's very much related to the next steps we'll take in our career uh, and our career journey. So it's important to, how do you get started? You wanna map your journey, having conducted again, what is that realistic self-assessment? Again, this is where I would refer you to your local career centers. Uh, the vast majority will work with uh, career assessment tools in different tests uh, that will help provide some clarity and focus for you, uh, especially those that might be more soul searchers. And maybe you've recently done a program to try to find that clarity and focus and have not yet quite found it. You want to take into account other stakeholders, perhaps family, empathize when it comes to where do I go next. Uh, very important to have a person, a trusted person, with whom to share your plan, uh, a mentor. And this is really gonna help you to stick to it and having it readily available and reviewing it on a regular basis, uh, keeping it on hand and updating it. Now I wanna leave you with this quote uh, from Maria Dueñas. She's the author of El Tiempo Entre Costuras, a book from Spain. Uh, and this is the translation, it's our destiny is the sum of all the decisions we make in our life. 
including those which at the time appear to be insignificant. Uh, so for me, it just absolutely translates to everything we do in our careers uh, and how uh, each of these small little decisions that right now uh, it, it doesn't seem like a big decision for you, whether to do a certain internship or to take a certain role or to make a certain change, it really does all add up in the grand scheme of things. So I wanted to highlight a few key initiatives and programs that we have right now uh, on the Hired platform. We have coming up next week, Philip Morris International. Uh, November 14th, we'll be holding a virtual open day where you'll be able to get to know 28 countries at 19 different exhibition booths and chat with over 500 colleagues about PMI's vision to have a smoke-free future. And then we have the associate program at Alpha Sites. And their mission is to connect the world's top professionals with the world's best knowledge. And they're gonna be looking for graduates to join their associate program with start dates in January, March, July, and September. So I wanna refer you all to your local career site, your career portal, and the hired portal in association with your career center. Now we have active right now the global student survey. Very important in order for us to bring you the opportunities in line with your career aspirations, in line for where you're looking to go. Uh, it's important that we constantly have your feedback and we're constantly taking the pulse of our hired community. So please, I urge you to take, it's literally one or two minutes, go to the Global Student Survey, which is on the hired platform in the news section. We would love to get that feedback from you. That only helps us to bring you the recruiters that are the best match for your aspirations. And finally, we have our next webinar. Uh, next masterclass will be the Pitch Perfect webinar on December 11th, where I'll be covering executive presence, nonverbal communication, which is body language, uh, and absolutely fundamental to progress in our careers and within our organizations, and finally, personal branding. So we're gonna be sharing that registration link with you shortly. So thank you very much. I'm gonna leave you with uh, my Twitter handle, my Instagram, very active of course, posting about unique uh, trends in the world of talent and careers. Uh, at Wigmore Alvarez, of course, uh, always hashtag get hired. And now we're gonna open it up to questions and answers. And my colleague Kendall will be feeding us the questions. Okay, first question. Uh, thank you for this very informative presentation. Uh, would you please also give us some tips on writing CV and cover letters for academic and or research positions? Are there significant differences from applying for jobs at companies and uh, then industries? Thank you. Yes, that's a great question. Uh, yes, there are significant differences. So one of the things that we didn't get so much into, which is why this question is great, is the length of the CV. So we have, on average, the rule of thumb and what the majority of the recruiters in the hired network would look for and your career centers would be a one-page CV. This is when we're talking about general. I'm not referring to academic-specific research. It would be a one-page CV, uh, and the rule of thumb would be one page for every 10 years of experience. So keep that in mind. Now, academic CVs. There are some great templates out there. Uh, and for research CVs, I've worked for the last seven years uh, with an executive education program, 
uh, master for researchers and scientists looking to accelerate in the world of business. Uh, though research academic will be several pages long because you will be including uh, postdoctoral opportunities, uh, uh, publications, of course, international congresses, posters that you've done. Uh, so for those researchers, so if you're looking to continue academic career, research career, yes, it will absolutely be longer. I would refer you to uh, a lengthier template. At the same time, everything that I talked about continues to apply. Even though it's an academic CV or a research CV, you still want to ensure that the most vital information, the professional summary, everything in the header, that one third is still there. Uh, the same with the first half. You're still going to be dedicating the first initial 6.5 seconds. All right. So this is what you need to you need to bear in mind. But yes, I would refer you in the case of uh, research science. Harvard Medical School has a great template that this is the one that I've always used with my researchers and scientists. And there's different academic models out there, uh, but in absolutely there's going to be more flexibility uh, when it comes to when it when it comes to academic. Uh, of course, you can always include, for example, if you're on ResearchGate, you can include those links as well. Uh, so it, it comes down to having the impact, just like with the LinkedIn URL, the research specific uh, or links to specific publications that you have. Trying to keep it to one page, um, what are the most important areas one must include in the CV? Academic background, experience, general skills, interests, hobbies, leadership. So that question, what are the most critical areas? It all depends on where you're going and where you're currently at. So for those who are currently students uh, and you're not currently working or are recent graduates, you will put your education section first. Uh, you're going to highlight that. Those of you who are currently working uh, in a company, in an organization, which is the same as your target role, then typically recruiters will value more that relevant professional experience. Uh, so you would include first your professional experience and then the education section. Now, when you do that, this is why the professional summary section is critical because in that professional summary section, you are going to highlight your academic credentials. In that four or five line professional summary section, if you have your education section at the bottom now, you want to make sure that you're mentioning where you went to school, which degree you have. So you could finalize a four or five line professional summary by saying academic credentials include a degree from X institution in this area, in this discipline. Is it okay to describe all the experience if I've had several years? Is it okay to, yes, and actually uh, you should not be, you should not be uh, leaving out, you don't want to be creating any gaps. You don't want to be including any gaps on your, on your CV. Uh, so this actually is an area that recruiters are very sensitive to. And when you do leave those gaps on your CV, they'll come back and ask you about that. So it's very important to clearly uh, detail that career trajectory and your different experiences. If the experiences are varied, if they're like fragmented and it doesn't make much sense, this is where it might make more sense to put them together relevant, the marketing experience, 
in some cases, for those who have had entrepreneurship experience, the same thing. Oftentimes, I'll get the question about, should I include the venture that I created? You could have your professional experience, and then you could have entrepreneurial experience. Regarding the cover letter and using bullets, I remember you mentioning to use different bullets. Using different bullets and colors normally disrupts uniformity, and people tend to find it difficult to relate. Not different bullets when it comes to the actual format of the bullet. I was referring to different bullets from the CV. Making sure that if you include, if you put bullet format in your cover letter, that those bullets that you have are not a copy-paste of the same bullets from your CV. Uh, should we include a photo in our CV? Uh, that's an excellent question. Uh, we, for many years now, uh, and we're, depends on the market, but the, the vast majority, the last nine years I've been working without photos on CVs, uh, you have recruiters that in many cases in certain markets, well, they simply cannot have the photo because they do not want to discriminate. Uh, if in any case, because we're re recommending that you include your LinkedIn public URL and knowing that more than 80% will look at you there, they will see a photo. And we do encourage you uh, to have a photo in LinkedIn, but I would not recommend having a photo on your CV. It's, it's, it's not necessary uh, and it's certainly not relevant to your ability to do that role. How can I highlight certain skills on my CV, customizing it for each company without creating discrepancies with the information on LinkedIn? Should you be general on LinkedIn? Uh, so you want to be very careful. And again, this is where those inconsistencies, you want to make sure that your messaging in CVs, in cover letters, in your LinkedIn, in your one minute elevator pitch that we're going to be doing in the next master class. You want to make sure that all of this messaging is consistent. Recruiters will immediately pick up when there's inconsistencies. Uh, oftentimes I will have a, a student come to me and the first thing I will always ask is, you summarize for me two minutes your career. And they'll be talking and when I did that internship in Bangalore in India, I'll say, oh wait, I didn't see that. Oh, I didn't think it was so relevant, I didn't include it. Those inconsistencies that inability to clearly communicate your career trajectory, again, is a deal breaker. So I would recommend being as consistent as possible. Of course, you're going to be able to elaborate more uh, in certain, for example, on LinkedIn, but make sure that you're being consistent in what you're saying. Um, for people that don't have work experience, uh, what should we highlight in their CV? You absolutely want to highlight, even if you don't have work experience, and I've seen, I work with, uh, I'm a professor of undergraduate students in a Bachelor in Business Administration program, and I find that some of the best CVs that I've seen, they often don't have professional experience, but it's been internship experience, volunteer experience, community service experience, maybe some of those then with international programs. Uh, this is what you want to be highlighting. Also, when this is the case, uh, you could include, go into more detail about a thesis. Uh, for example, I work with students interested in working in the world of luxury, uh, and they're able to go into more detail about the thesis they're doing in innovation and luxury. Never feel that because you don't have the professional experience that you're actually, don't be shy about showcasing other aspects such as the, the volunteer work. And this is why it's important to actively volunteer 
reach out to a professor who is from the area, the discipline that you're looking to work in, and offer to be a research assistant. And this is how you get that experience on your CVs. So I think we've reached the end of time. Uh, and it's been a pleasure having you all for this master class. And we look forward to having you for the next one. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. See you again at the next Hired Podcast. Visit our website, hire.global, for more information.